Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football today. Back on college football today, brought to you by Bet DSI, Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci breaking down all the games. We'll turn our attention to an intriguing battle later tonight in Heinz Field. Penn State and James Franklin, fresh off their overtime win over App State, taking on. Pat Narduzzi and the Pitt Panthers. Both teams have split the last two meetings. Penn State did get the victory last year in Happy Valley, 33-14. Two years ago, Pitt pulled out a 42-39 win over Saquon Barkley and Penn State. But I think Penn State's offense against Penn State uh, Pittsburgh's secondary is the matchup to watch later tonight. I'm calling Rich. Or a 17-point or more Penn State victory in Heinz Field at 8 p.m. tonight. Well, not impressive last week, no, at least not defensively. At all. Offensively, they look great. And I expect to see more of the same out of Trace McSorley. I think he's going to have a great year. He'll be up for this moment against Pitt, in-state rival. But I, I think this is the Panthers' season. This is a marginal football team. Pat Narduzzi has become a marginal football coach. He's been underwhelming since he's taken this job, but Pittsburgh is putting everything into this game. The reason why I like the Panthers to cover, not upset, but to cover about nine, maybe? It's eight down and to half seven and a half. Down to seven, seven and a half. Yeah. And a lot of money going on Pittsburgh. Well, obviously, after last week, people watched App State. People always remember what they saw last. But I think but a night game at Heinz Field, a night game at Heinz Field, you know what? I think people are going to learn about Kenny Pickett. Yes. Kenny Pickett is kind of a poor man's Trace McSorley. He's a grinder. He'll make plays outside the Big pocket. He'll complete passes. He led them too. He's got some good wide receivers. Taysir Mack from Indiana is his best playmaker. I think Pitt is in this game throughout because Penn State is vulnerable on the defensive side That's of the ball. That's a great point, and I could see that. We talked about it last week in terms of in-state rivalry. It has recruiting implications in terms of taking play players away from Penn State and when we talked about it last week as well Penn State's success over the last couple of years under James Franklin has been unprecedented in Beaver Stadium they're now 15 and 0 at home prior to that 7 point win last week they won those 14 games by 24.8 points per game here's what i look at in terms of the matchup Trace McSorley last week Grew for 230 yards. And when you look at Kenny Pickett last week, he struggled in terms of stretching Albany's defense vertically. Pitt only averaged 159 passing yards in that victory, 33-7. to They pounded the rock for 238 on the ground. But I look at the secondary. Two years ago, this was the second-worst secondary in college football. They allowed 333 passing yards per game, ranked 127th out of 128 teams uh, next to Arizona State two years ago. Last year, they got it down to 264 per game. And I look at that win over Albany. They allowed Vinny... Tester Verde's son, Vincent Tester Verde Jr., 
to pass for 263 yards on that defense. That's why I like McSorley and the speed of Penn State over the top later tonight. Isn't that shocking though that that the secondary is that bad at Pittsburgh? Because well, when you happens, think about right? when you think about Narduzzi's Michigan State teams, yes. he consistently Darquez Denard. He was getting these two star kids from around the country. Denard came from Georgia and coached them up into NFL stars. Easier they to, uh, to get that talent. Uh, and Michigan State, I don't know about pit. that. I disagree big, big with that. Pit, pit, as you stated, Pitt. But you have the state of Pennsylvania. When's the last time they've been bowling? You have but so much as talent. As you stated earlier. And, and again, they're two-star kids he was getting. He was not getting blue chippers. He was coaching them into four-star players, just not doing it at Pittsburgh. As you stated earlier, the Pittsburgh Panthers, they haven't been bowling in a while. They were, this, this was the team that I gave people when we were in Vegas at the IFBC. Uh, to go over the total with their win total. I do think that Pittsburgh goes bowling uh, this year. And you look at last year, they beat the Miami Hurricanes. Um, the year before that, they beat the Clemson Tigers. Who was the quarterback? Oh, yeah, Nate Peterman. Uh, beat Deshaun Watson. It's been two consecutive years that Narduzzi has beaten an, either a one team or a top two, a top three team. So he's shown he's capable of winning big football games, but they haven't shown the consistency um, this this is a big game. They have this circled. Penn State didn't want to play them for years. But what's amazing to me, guys, about this is the, the advanced number for this game was about 14 and a half. You could have gotten as many as 16 points uh, this summer, maybe even wow. a 17 out there, the advanced number. Uh, but everybody, you know, shows like us, guys like us, everybody's been uh, pumping uh, Pitt's tires uh, as of late. And then the public saw Penn State last week. And it's amazing. You know, we, we, people remember what they saw last. So the number's all the way down to seven and a half. Similar situation right now with the Liberty game. Uh, nobody even knew who the hell Liberty didn't even know that Liberty had a football team last week. We tell you Liberty's going to be an old Dominion. Suddenly, it goes from 10 points down to seven and a half right now. Uh, big line movement. There's been a lot of line movement in the last half hour or so. It's tough to love Pitt still at this number, guys. I liked it better getting 14, getting 15, but I think they're going to take him down to the wire, and this is a program-defining game for the Pittsburgh Panthers tonight. Well, without a doubt that it's a program-defining game, and I think that, that you saw a little bit of inconsistency without Joe Moorhead. I mean, let's be honest. He was the catalyst for that offense in terms of putting his playmakers in space and allowing Trace McSorley to create one-on-one opportunities. And Saquon Barkley, Joe, also makes Moorhead, Franklin, and and McSorley look a lot better. Yeah, but Miles Sanders last week pounded the rock for 91 yards on the ground, two rushing touchdowns. It was a balanced offense last week, 230, uh, right in the area of about 240 per game, uh, 240 last week against Appalachian State. They also rushed for 204 yards on the ground, and I think that's the matchup as well. If Penn State jumps up early, when you look at the victories that they've had, Pittsburgh, in recent years on the road against Clemson and Miami, they were able to jump up first and dictate the tempo, which really benefited their defense. If they fall behind early to Trace McSorley, can Kenny Pickett lead that offense vertically against Penn State? Probably not. That's what I look at. Yeah. They, Penn State have been in these moments. Penn State have played in big games. They, you know, they won the Rose Bowl last year. Pittsburgh's had a couple of upsets, but they were close games, as you stated. They didn't dominate these teams. So, you know, we had the ball last, and we won, and we beat Clemson. Can these kids handle the spotlight, handle the moment, standing in the tunnel, seeing Penn State come out? 
Can they just stay within themselves? Uh, but I think this game is there for the taking. I think it's going to be a close game. And uh, this, this is one of the games I've been looking forward to the most, actually. You know what this season. is going to look like? I think it's going to look an awful lot like Penn State-Iowa last yeah, year. Yeah, it could, it could 21-19. Yeah, it's uh-uh. a very close game throughout. And I, I would not bet against Trace McSorley at the yeah. end. In terms right. of victory, good list. I wouldn't bet overtime. against McSorley. I think Jawan Johnson, to your point about that pit secondary, which is very leaky, Jawan Johnson, 6'4", big wide receiver, big hands. I think he comes up with some key plays late. I think Penn State pulls out the victory, but this is one of those emotion games. I mean, they're going to be fired up at Heinz Field. This is pit season. I don't know who the Panthers play next week, Gabe. But whoever it is, if it's not an FCS team and there's a line on it, take the other team because I, I think Pitt is, either way, Pitt is going to be spent after this yeah, game. Yeah, and la- I th- if I'm not mistaken, after that uh, Pittsburgh loss to Penn State last year, I believe they faced Oklahoma State the following week at home and were 10.5-point underdogs, and Mason Rudolph lit it up with Jalen McCleskey. So that's something to keep an eye out for next week. They keep host eye- Georgia Tech next week, oh, That's guys. a tough they game. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech, triple option. That could be a look ahead. I mean, not look ahead, but that could be a game to look at next week going up and you're going yeah, up against tech, a wide offense. South Florida today they're going to have their heads yeah, full definitely I, th- I think the thing in terms of Narduzzi and we've seen it with defensive coordinators as well Rich where they're, they're solid defensive coordinators top five defensive coordinators then get the head coaching duties like Bo Pelini doesn't translate uh, Tom Allen is another yeah. one where I mean that defense has stepped up for Indiana but you have to keep an eye out they seem to lose the responsibility on the defensive side of the ball because they're right. monitoring everything, offense, defense, recruiting, and that could be something that Narduzzi has struggled with in recent years. Yeah, well, now you're the CEO. You're doing more interviews, spending more time with the media, a little less time actually on blocking and tackling. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense should be better. I mean, there's a lot of talent in that Pennsylvania, Western PA, Ohio area. This defense should be scrappier. Uh, Keep an eye on Keyshawn Camp, though he played very well on the interior of the Pittsburgh defense. Penn State's line, we've talked about it, could be the best line for James Franklin. Go out and prove it tonight against Penn State. You know what I've seen, though, Rich, and you're right. There's there's such a fertile recruiting ground, and so many legendary football players, specifically quarterbacks, have come from Pennsylvania, from the Kellys, the Montanas, etc. But I find... Joe Willie. Team, pardon me. <laughs> Joe Willie Namath. If yeah. our viewers don't Beaver, even know who that is. Beaver PH. <laughs> um, but teams that play in NFL stadiums, they don't have that same atmosphere. Yeah. It, they, they, it's just not the same. They sort of get lost. Like, you know, it's, Pittsburgh's an NFL town, right? It's not an. It's not even an on-campus facility, which, yeah, which like in itself playing, is a it's problem. Like, it's good news, bad yeah. news. Yeah, we're playing in an NFL facility, but we're playing really in an NFL facility. It's going to be half empty. Yeah. Like, you know, people are looking forward to this with UNLV. That actually is a step up because the Sam Boyd is probably sure. the worst stadium in America. So they're going to be playing at the Raiders Stadium. Does anyone think UNLV are suddenly going to get 94,000 people a game? And then suddenly it takes a little bit away from the atmosphere. It's just Pittsburgh has been a challenging place uh, to, to recruit, especially with the emergence of Penn State. But when we crunch this from the numbers, guys, how about this? Pittsburgh Panthers 11-0-1 as home dogs of eight or more points. Uh, as of late, courtesy of Mark Lawrence's uh, database. Wow. Well, tell Mark, I, I think it tweaked under the eight now. It's seven and a half. It's a very good point. It's a good point. Mark's an excuse on the out now. Mark has great numbers. I, I, I suggest well, I anybody. I said it, Joe. Play, I like this play, game better when I'm getting 10, when I'm I, getting 14. What, I want seven what, now, I, seven what I'm curious about about this ball game because we're in New York here. There's rain in the area, a little wind. What's the weather report out in Heinz Field? Because that can, that can matter for 
for Penn State's offense. If there is a wet track, that favors Pittsburgh's offense in terms of pounding the football, keeping this game close. So Light rain showers okay. expected throughout well, the Well, that's evening. something to keep an eye on. I still like Penn State here. I think that's that's another reason why the number's fallen a little bit is the weather out there in Heinz Field. And we know from I really a kicking perspective. I think it's perspective, State, guys. I think it's the op State game and, from Which last it week. could be an overreaction. The, that's the problem with week two is week two is all about overreactions. Right. In one way or the Hawaii other. last week, guys. So Hawaii wins the 17-point underdogs in week one. Right. They were 17-point underdogs again against Navy. People watched that game. Boom. It went all the way down to nine, like 10-9. There was an eight-point line move. Everybody said, oh, what a big, including myself. Wow, it's a big, big reaction. Yeah, I don't know. Hawaii going back home. Suddenly, they're, they're only getting nine points. What do they do? They win again. Yeah. They, they go out there and they win again. I, that's what intrigues me about this Liberty, and we're going to take some questions from the right, chat. Before, before, yeah, before but the Liberty game, Liberty. same thing. Can Liberty right. match their intensity from last yeah, week? Yeah, we'll get into the Liberty game in a little bit. We'll talk about another marquee battle as Gabe looks at some questions. I mean, this one, ha- they haven't played since 2010. It's Nebraska and Colorado. Scott Frost making his first career head, stro- uh, head coaching at his alma mater. They were supposed to play Akron last week. That game got canceled, and now Mike McIntyre and the Buffaloes come rolling into Memorial Stadium. This is a hot team with a hot quarterback in Shane uh, Steven Montez that completed 88% of his passes last week. 332 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception. This is a Colorado offense that pounded the rock for 238 yards last week, Rich, against Colorado State. I'm riding the better team here. I think they have the better offensive talent with the better quarterback, Taylor Martinez, making his first career start. He's a freshman I think Colorado wins by 10 points in this matchup. You're going back to the Taylor Martinez days. You mean Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez. Remember uh, Taylor yes. Martinez? I was yes. thrown off Couldn't by throw the Martinez football. as well. Yeah. I said Taylor. I keep, I keep saying Adrian Gonzalez. Right. This I don't is know one of I my favorite saying. rivalries, actually, from yesteryear. Remember the day after Thanksgiving on Friday? We'd have Texas, Texas A&M. Back and we'd have Colorado, oh, yeah. Nebraska. And for younger people, you guys are thinking, who cares about Colorado-Nebraska? Guys, this is one of the most mean-spirited, nasty rivalries in college football. I can't even repeat some of the nastiness that went on between these two teams. But Nebraska used to be a powerhouse, guys. I know it's crazy, but Nebraska used to be a powerhouse that won national championship. And Colorado, for a good 10-year run there, were right there as a top-five-ranked program. Some great football games. I'm very excited to see these two teams play. I am, too, especially since we haven't seen Scott Frost. And and I think that's an advantage for the Huskers because – you could look at film from a year ago if you're Colorado and Mike McIntyre, but this is a very different team with a true freshman quarterback, different offensive scheme. The defense of Nebraska concerns me. I'm glad you brought up Steven Montez because as we head into and really start to roll on the 2018 season, we're looking for quarterbacks who could be potential First round, second round, third round draft choices. Montez could be one of those kids. He's 6'5", 235 pounds, moves well, has a strong arm, now has a big wide receiver in LaVisca right. Chanel. So scouts will like. He'll be a good combine He's going to get very trendy as the season well, we moves on. Talking about and I think he'll have a good game. I think he'll have a good game against that Nebraska defense, but... You know, Nebraska's been geared up and geeked up for this moment for Scott Frost. I think it's a tough I think it's a tough situation. Colorado Colorado State might not be that good. We saw Hawaii. Well, Colorado State is awful. Let me throw one number out to you. True road openers. Colorado won in 14 in the last 15 years, so they really have struggled away from Boulder. 
I, I like think Nebraska, Nebraska gets here, out with a victory, but yeah. but Colorado's a better team well, than we I thought. I think the Huskers get yeah, it. Yeah, well, here's the matchup, too, that you have to see. I mean, two years ago, Colorado had a, a top-flight secondary. I mean, they held opposing yes. offenses to 33% on third down. That allowed them to blitz and get quarterback pressures. Last year, they had three new starters in that secondary because they had three players that went on to the NFL draft and, and got drafted in the first three rounds. They're back to basics now. Mike McIntyre's a secondary head coach. I like that matchup going up against a young, inexperienced quarterback. And we talked about it last week as well. Nebraska last year, even though it wasn't Scott Frost, it was Mike Riley. They had the worst rushing offense and rushing defense over the last 20 years in Nebraska football. They only rushed for 107 yards per game last year. And no and true no true feature back. Exactly. No true feature back this year. So that is going to be a That's concern. That's the concern. My the- prediction, Gabe, I don't know what you think about this. My prediction is I think the overreaction heading into week three is Nebraska is going to play well today. I think Martinez will have a good game, and everybody's going to be saying, look out Wisconsin in the Big Ten West because Nebraska with Scott Frost. Wow. I, I don't think right. it'll be a blowout, right. but I think Nebraska is going to really put their best foot forward in this game at home. I'm always and, intrigued by games. I know we got to get out of here right now, but I'm always intrigued by games in which one team has played and the other team didn't, similar mm-hmm. to Iowa and Iowa State uh, this yep. week. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back. We'll pick it up with some of the other top 25 games. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, Gabe Marenzi. Live from Studio 34. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI. We're joined right now by the Vice President of the Sports Brokers, Jamie Heath, turning inc- incomes uh, outcomes into incomes. Jamie, how are you today? I'm great, guys. How are you guys doing today? Oh, doing well. Another great weekend of college football ahead of us. We saw some upsets in week number one. As we turn our attention to a great slate of action today, what are you looking at from a, a gambling perspective, game, uh, Jamie, to make your, uh, your clients money? Well, today, uh, obviously, we're in week two. Some, in some cases, we're in week three. Some teams are on their third game of play today. I'm looking at some of the teams that obviously looked really, really well last week. And in other cases, such as like Miami of Florida and Florida State, they look really, really bad. So a lot of the lines makers are adjusting their, their odds on some of the teams from their performances of last week, and I'm here to capitalize on some of these performances. And obviously, there's three games that I want to talk about with you guys today. So whenever you guys are ready to get those games, let's let's go at it. Jamie, before we get to the games, uh, we've talked a lot in the first hour about overreactions to week one. Um, and, and it happens every year. You know, we're all surprised. One team plays extraordinarily bad, extraordinarily good. How do you guys handle or tamp down the uh, the inclination to sort of overreact to what happened a week ago? 
That's an excellent question. And I was watching your show last week and Gabe made a great point when he said uh, some people have reactions on the very first drive of a game. And uh, <laughs> it, 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 it can't be more true. Thanks for paying attention to what I say, Jamie. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're quite welcome. I love your show, by the way. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the thing about it is there is overreactions. And the, and, the, and the thing about it is, as well, when the Monday lines come out, you notice that the lines get overinflated on a lot of these games. And the Sharpies attack these games immediately on the Mondays, and, that, and that's why you see some of these lines move three, four, sometimes as much as six points a game. So. And that's the thing, Jamie. We could, and the phrase on the street is, right, day late, dollar short, or even better, yeah. you know what, you're late for the wedding and early for you the funeral. It. And a great example is Liberty. Last week, guys, I don't want to focus in on this game, but I just want to use an example. Last week, Liberty, oh, who's Liberty? They're no way beating Liberty. Liberty's not beating Old, you know, Old Dominion. This week, everybody's betting Liberty. And it's gone down from 10, and so it's all the way down to 7 in some spots now. But, Jamie, it's a completely different scenario this week, right? So people, exactly. people feel, I missed out on it last week, but I'm going to get in on Liberty this week. No, I'm not saying Liberty's going 12 and 11 and 1 this year. It was a great spot last week. I don't know if it's a good spot this week as much, but people are often a day late, dollar short because of what they saw the last time out. Gabe, you're 1,000% correct. I mean, the Flames last week, it was a big game for them against Old Dominion. Uh, their very first game is a Division One school. They're an independent. And now they're going into Army. Army played Duke actually really tough the very, in the first half. They just ran out of steam in that game. And you're right, the line's gone from 12 to 7.5. Everyone has jumped on Liberty. And like you said, they're all a dollar late. Uh, uh, what, your, your phrase is a dollar late and a dollar short, whatever your phrase just was. Yeah, daylight yeah. dollar short. It's my name. Daylight and a dollar short. It's exactly. my life story. There, 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 there you go. Exactly. And that's the sad thing when it comes to you know the casual better or the, the people that are just watching these games week to week and seeing these teams. They jump on these things. They say, oh, my God, look how bad Miami looked. Look how bad Florida State looked, you know. And there's reasons, there's, there's reasons behind it why some of these teams actually look, look bad. Florida State was in the red zone the, like four or five times in that game. They just couldn't score, you know, whether it was Taggart's uh, play calling or whoever the offensive line, whatever the play calling was at the time, they couldn't score. That doesn't mean they can't score the following game when they play, you know, their next game. Jamie, you look at a Pac-12 battle that has uh, conference uh, implications along with possible national championship implications later tonight in Palo Alto at Stanford and Bryce Love. It is freshman quarterback JT Daniels and USC. How does that factor in when you have a raw young quarterback, not a lot of game film on him? We saw Joe Burrow strike the upset over Miami last week on a neutral field, but he was an uh, an experienced guy. He was in the system for Ohio State, transferred to LSU, but this is a high school quarterback. Granted, he was Gatorade Player of the Year, but how does that factor in to this line moving, and more importantly, how the bookmakers establish a line for Stanford and USC? Excellent question as well. Uh, the line opened up in this game at four. It went as high as six and a half. It's actually coming back down to four and a half, five in some spots. TJ Daniels has his work cut out for him. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's his first road test, and this is a major road test in Palo Alto. They lost twice to USC last year. I mean, yes, they did. They lost twice to USC last year. David Shaw is one of the best coaches there is, is preparing for this type of situation. If you look at USC last week, they struggled in the first half against UNLV last week. UNLV ran for 300 yards on the ground, over 300 yards on the ground against them last week. I would say Bryce Love, after only, what did he gain, 29 yards last week against San Diego State? He's licking his chops 
to face this defense. Not to mention, he has to get his—he has to get back into the Heisman race. They have him down now as as the tenth Heisman guy right now. So. You're right. He faded big time with the Heisman and stuff. And Tua has climbed that ladder. Well, Rocky Long. As Rick Sermonella rolls his eyes. <laughs> I, did I threw him under the bus. I said, he rolled his eyes at me here, guys. That's accurate. Well, San, San Diego State's no slouch. Uh, Rocky Long prepared for them. They, they, they sold out on the run, and K.J. Costello burned them three times to, uh, to one of the receivers. He actually threw for four touchdowns in the game. I expect Stanford to win this game by at least two touchdowns. They are catching USC at the absolute perfect time. They're going against a true freshman quarterback in TJ Daniels. I'm not going to say that this guy could become great. He, he probably will. Maybe he'll become another Sam Darnold. I don't know. But right now, this is the absolute perfect time to catch USC. I am all over Stanford, and I, and, uh, I think it's an easy cover. Jamie, let's head on over to the uh, SEC. The uh, the big matchup in the SEC East, obviously, is Georgia and South Carolina, rivals. Uh, South Carolina's been trendy this week. A lot of people are excited that the uh, Gamecocks get to uh, to host Georgia. Debo Samuel is healthy. Jake Bentley keeps getting more and more mature. Uh, what do you think about the matchup between the Bulldogs and the Gamecocks this weekend? I'm really looking forward to this game, fellas. Uh and you're right, Debo Samuel wasn't there last year for that game. If you uh, follow anything last year, that was one of Georgia's toughest games all year last year, and that was in Athens. Uh, the score was 14-7 at halftime in that game. South Carolina with Muschamp, they, played, they play excellent defense. Georgia lost mostly all their linebackers, including Raquan, Roquan Smith, their best defensive player as far as I'm concerned. They lost their two top running backs from last year. Yes, Fromm's back in his second season, and Kirby Smart's a great, he's an excellent coach, but upset special right here. I say Carolina not only covers the 10, this line went from 9 to 10, it's 10 and a half in some spots, it's 10 right now. I, I Do not be surprised if South Carolina wins this game. Whoever does win this game is, is the leader in the pack as far as the SEC East and, and the championship game. I think this is Muschamp's best team since he's been there. This is their best team since 2013 when they had J- Jadavian Clowney. I'm on. I'm on South Carolina. It really is. I know it is a fascinating. It's a fascinating game, and that we're going to learn is Georgia. If Georgia's a powerhouse and Georgia wants to become a powerhouse, these are the type of games and challenges that you have to you have to meet. And South Carolina has had this game circled. A lot of people in the industry have been talking about this game all summer. This is the spot. This is the spot. This is the spot. From a betting standpoint, I'm scared of this game. I, it just it scares me, Joe. And, I, and it's, it's funny, too. Coming from someone that's uh, you know going to be laying it down on BYU later tonight, that doesn't scare me. But this game worries me a little bit. Well, uh, I'll tell you something. South Carolina... Uh, like you said, they've circled this game since since day one. This they're they're laying it all on the table today. They have all their skilled players back, except for with the exception of Hayden Hurst. And like you you mentioned before, Debo Samuel is a receiver that no one knows about. Come three thirty, they're going to know about this guy. Anyhow, let me get let me uh, just tell you you folks out there that are watching the show. This is I'm with the sportsbrokers.com. I'm the vice president and. Uh, let me just tell you this. I want you to visit our website, thesportsbrokers.com. 
or I want you to call the number 1-800-220-6262. I have uncovered two games today that the odds maker have completely messed up on. They are 10 points off on. And if I don't go 2-0 today, you get the rest of the college football season absolutely free. I have wow. never, I have never, ever, ever done this before, ever. That's how confident I am. I'm going 2-0. I like so the sounds right. of this. That's wow. a hell of yes. an offer there, that's, Jamie. That's, that is great outstanding. In, great insight yes. and information. There's one more See, look, game. Look, the phone's ringing already. Yeah, there's one. There's one. <laughs> Go to the sportsbrokers.com, the sportsbrokers.com. Jamie Heath, the vice president of the Sports Brokers, with us. Jamie, there's one more matchup that we want to talk about. It, it's an intriguing battle. It's SEC. It's Mountain West. We have Missouri and Drew Locke taking on uh, – Craig Bull and Wyoming. Craig Bull and the Cowboys lost to a Pac-12 opponent last week in Washington State. Now get an SEC East opponent, high-octane offense in Missouri. What do you see in this matchup, uh, especially from a line perspective, because it opened up uh, Missouri anywhere from 16 to 16 and a half, all the way up, as far as I know, up to 18, possibly 19 in this ballgame. Uh, okay, yes. I, before I do talk about this game, I do want to give a little shout-out to our president, Kevin Todd, the president and CEO of thesportsbrokers.com, for nailing this game last week between Washington State and and, uh, and Wyoming. He was dead right on Washington State. He called it to the T, if you remember. He, he, he laid it out for everyone on a, silver, on, a, on a platter for you guys. Anyhow... Wyoming's recently become the sports broker's best friend in, in college football because the first week we were all over Wyoming to destroy New Mexico State, which they did. Last week we were against Wyoming, and this week we are against Wyoming as well. Uh, they're going into a, a situation in, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, to face Missouri with one of the best quarterbacks in the nation in Drew Luck. They're returning their whole entire offensive line, and uh, I got a stat for you when it comes to their uh, – Non-Power 5 uh, conference games. In their last seven home games, they're 6-1 with an average win margin of 47 points. Okay? That, that's, pretty, that's pretty remarkable. Wow. Not, to mention, not to mention last week, Wyoming, their, their best player, who was a running back on that team, who ran for over 200 yards in the New Mexico State game, Nico Evans, he, he got hurt. He hurt himself in the, in the second half on the very first drive in the second half against Washington State. Uh, he was on his way to possibly another 200-yard game. Needless to say, they only scored three points in the second half, and uh, they're in trouble this week is all I could tell you. Yeah, Wyoming has a, Wyoming has a good defense, but Missouri's offense is, is another level. Drew Locke might be the first quarterback taken uh, in the draft. Uh, we were all over him last week in the CFB uh, draft king, so you're willing to lay the chalk uh, here with the Missouri Tigers. Yes, I am. I see them winning by probably four or five touchdowns in this game. Jamie, one of the more fascinating matchups today, uh, non-conference, is going to be Mississippi State and Kansas State. I, I look at it from a head coaching perspective. You have the Hall of Famer and Bill Snyder. You have the newbie and Joe Moorhead. I mean, he has coaching experience at Fordham, but in terms of the SEC level, just his second game. Do you, do you get into that level? Do you look at coaching matchups when you start to break games down? Absolutely, I do, and uh, seems like Bill Snyder has been around since uh, I don't know seventeen seventy six. How he's old is Methuselah, this guy? He's Methuselah, yeah. He he just he's been he's, around, he's, but he's been real, around a long time. I think he was uh, Bill Snyder was there for the Lincoln inauguration. I think. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's remarkable, and they and he's done it with some some average talent at best at times. This but is yet his role, always, JB. Too. This is this is his bread and butter: getting points at home. home. This is this it is really, what Bill Snyder does. 
It, it's a scary, scary matchup. And like you were just saying, this is a first-year coach for Mississippi State. We're talking about the SEC West. This is one of my surprise teams, actually, in the SEC West with uh, Fitzgerald. He's uh, probable to start the game. They say he's going to go. Uh, he, I think he's an excellent quarterback. I think Mississippi State is a much more talented team. But, again, like you said, coaching does come into play. And if I had, if I had to go between a coach, I'm, I'm taking Snyder. So this is really, as far as I'm concerned, a watch and a no play. Jamie, I, w- I wanted to ask you about the late-night battle in Tempe with Herm Edwards making the transition from the NFL to college. A lot of people back in the Sun Devils here going up against a solid and one of the biggest head coaches in college football in recent years, Mark D'Antonio. No national championship, but when you look at rivalry games and, and big games on a national stage, for the most part, Michigan State has stepped up. How do you handicap that when you have a head coach that really has been out of football for a period of time, 15, 16 years? How does that matter in terms of your handicapping? Uh, it matters. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when a coach comes back and he's on a lengthy vacation, he's on ESPN doing uh, analyzing games, and then he comes back, it's, it's just not the same thing. Obviously, they won last week. I believe they, they destroyed Texas San Antonio, but this is a different animal. Uh, my question to you guys is, does Mark D'Antonio ever smile? Do you ever see the man smile? He's always looking like he wants to kill somebody. That's good. That's fine by me. As long as you're backing him <laughs> and he covers, there's nothing wrong with that. He's a no-nonsense guy. Because he's always worried. Yes, he he's is. always worried his players are actually going to kill somebody. <laughs> That's why he's coming <laughs> from he's, a Michigan fan. He's concerned. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Well, they 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 had they had their troubles last week with Utah State. The Aggies gave them all they could handle, but uh, Utah State's actually one of the better teams in the Mountain West this year. Yeah. I actually see. I actually I heard you guys analyzing this game earlier. I actually see Michigan State winning this game with some ease. Uh, maybe the first half might be close, but I just have a feeling uh, Lewerke and the boys are going to take it in the second half. They're going to they're going to just be too much for Arizona State. The f- the physicality concerns me as well. I just had to exactly. defend Herm Edwards. I didn't appreciate these guys, uh, all the Herm Edwards oh, bashing. It's unreal. Yeah, well, well you're, you're, we'll, see how he, we'll see how he does. And also, I'm a Michigan Wolverine I, fan. I At least think, they won last week, I unlike did, I us. I didn't think Gabe was like that, you know? Did you? Did you think he Gabe No, was, I didn't I, think, I, I, he, I didn't uh, think he, he played you know, uh, preferences. Was, yeah. I did not. Who no, else? I'm, 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 I'm the type of teammate that talks to the media after the game. <laughs> we have a lot of problems so again, in the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, again, I do want to say that I am going to go 2-0 today. Like I was telling you guys before, I found two games. We've uncovered two games today that the odds makers are off by 10 points. Wow. If I don't go, if I don't go 2-0 today, I am telling you right now, the rest of the college football season is yours absolutely free. Dial 1-800-220-6262. Operators are standing by right now. Get on the phone. That's unbelievable insight and information from... The sports broker's vice president, Jamie Heath, guaranteeing you two winners today. Otherwise, the college football season is free. I mean, jump on this right now, Rich. That's putting your value. money where your mouth that is. Really I have, is. I have mad respect for uh, for Jamie for putting that offer out there. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> May the winners be yours, Jamie. You got. Thanks, guys. Good viewers. luck today. Good luck to you all, you guys today too. May it be a great Saturday for all of us. Indeed. Enjoy great insight and information. Yeah, it's absolutely. intriguing to to get. You got it. 
other people's and, and the, the handicapping perspective in terms of when you break it down from a coaching perspective, how Vegas views a certain coach yeah. or, or like Herm Edwards and, and Gabe's best friend over there in yep. terms of how we'll be backing him from a money perspective. Well, I can't figure out, is, is he, is he Her, Herm Edwards' publicist or Jerry Falwell's at this point well, with all the Liberty well, talk? He, I mean, well, all of a sudden, he, what's was, going on He was here? back in Liberty in a big way. Solid win. You know, I nicknamed him this week. Gabe Money Morenci. Mm. Gabe Money Morenci. The money so, team. The money team. You're on the money team. Well, the money team is just getting started. We have another hour and a half. We're going to cut to break, and when we come back, we'll be picking it up with a, a very intriguing battle. Duke and Northwestern, keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci, live from Studio 34. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI. Great insight and information from the vice president of the sports brokers, Jamie Heath. We turn our attention now to two 12 o'clock games. We'll start. It's a SEC Big 12 battle, Mississippi State and Nick Fitzgerald on the road in Manhattan to face Bill Snyder and the Kansas State Wildcats. This is a team in Kansas State over the last couple of years, guys, has won 15 games against FBS opponents with a combined winning percentage of 73 and 114, or 390%. They've allowed last year 309 passing yards to opposing offenses. I think Nick Fitzgerald, the speed of Mississippi State, is the difference. Calling for a double-digit win on the road in Manhattan later today, Rich. Joey Double Digits is back. <laughs> That's, Joey, Joey, that, like a game. Joey, Joey Double, double digits, digits was on fire on Sunday Joe is not a mobster, but that is his mafia name. <laughs> like Joey it. Double Digits. Double Digits. That's Joey his new nickname. Double digits. Joey Double D. Yes. Um, uh, that could be taken a lot of ways. Um, listen, this is this is perfectly set up for Kansas State. It I mean, because you know what, Kansas State tends to start slowly. They were awful against South Dakota. Kansas State's overrated. Bill Snyder loves these settings at home, so it's a dangerous game. But I agree with Joe. I just think there's too much talent, too much speed. Jamie mentioned it on his spot. He's high on Mississippi State. I'm high on Mississippi State. I'm a little worried about Nick Fitzgerald and the rust. Could First we, start. Could First we start. see Keaton Thompson, who was great yeah. in the bowl game and was great last weekend as well? So. I'll make it fast. I, I think this is a dangerous game, so I'll stay away from it. But Mississippi State, offensively and defensively, too much talent for K-State. I think they pull away and get the cover. It's becoming one of my best bets for, for the earlier games. I didn't have one, but I really like Mississippi State Well, you better State take some man assets well, because I, I think K-State's well, going to be in this game for I a I want to kick Joe. it to Gabe, and here's the matchup that I watched play out. It's an SEC defensive front that only allowed 128 rushing yards per game. Simmons and Sweat on the outside. This is not a Big 12 defensive front that they're facing, so they're not going to be able to dictate the tempo. Quality O-line. Very yes. good O-line, though. Yes. Dalton Reisner, that's, that's, that's 
by the Big 12 right. measuring stick, it could yes. be the best Big 12 right, offensive line. But that's line. the matchup, game. Can Kansas State run the football? Because I think Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald or Thompson could stretch that defense in Kansas State that allowed four opponents last year to pass for over 400. That's the Achilles heel for Kansas State. I want to take Kansas State in this spot. There are just so many trends that go in Bill Snyder's direction. And this, this is why he's been coaching there for the last 40 years. Because he... He wins games like this. He covers. Uh, this is why the, the, he's a legend among the, the gaming community. But let's be real. And you guys, I think Rich and Joe, you both stated it. The last couple of years, we're noticing that the the recruiting power is going down a little bit right now. They just don't have that team speed. To me, this football game is, is going to be settled early. If K-State can get a lead, then it's going to be a really close game. If Mississippi State comes out and gets up 14-0, it's over. Yeah. It's over. They just they don't have the playmakers and the big playability to strike to come back. Uh, but if they can, you know, create a turnover early and get ahead, get ahead of the sticks, I'm tempted by K-State. Listen, we can't bet on every game, uh, right? So it didn't make the list of best bets, but... I would go K-State or pass, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to pass. I yeah. like Mississippi yeah, yeah. State. It's becoming one of my other best bets. I didn't put it on the list, but for 12 o'clock, I like the Bulldogs. You can, add add it. You can always add it now. Yeah. What? I do have a 12 o'clock well, best bet. We're going to get into the other one before we get to that pick. It's, it's Northwestern and Duke. Duke picked up this victory last year at home in Durham. I mean, they won that battle, I believe, 41-17. 41-17, and now Clayton Thorson and the crew does have a couple of days extra preparation after their 31-27 to road win over Purdue in West Lafayette. I, I'm a big backer of Northwestern and what Pat Fitzgerald is building there. They're going to have to stuff the run and force Daniel Jones to beat them over the top. I'm still going with the better defensive front seven in Gaziano and Patty Fisher at the linebacker position. And I like Thorson in this offense. Uh, Trent Green's son got involved early as well. I think the speed of Northwestern wins a, a close ball game. Ten points. It could be three points much of the way, but in the end, Northwestern covers this number. Yeah, I, I think it is close, which would scare me off. Yeah. I mean, th- this could be a four-quarter, 60-minute. They're very similar teams. I love the Duke defense. I mean, that defense is for real. They played better against Army in the triple option than I expected in week one. You got Joe Giles Harris at linebacker, yeah. Mark Gilbert at cornerback. Those are two all-ACC performers. I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan, and I don't think they'll be able to run the ball because you bring up a very good point, which is the advantage here for me is that Northwestern front seven against a Duke offensive line that's rebuilding. So I think this is a close game, Joe. It could go either way. I would pass on it, but I agree with you. I would take Northwestern. The Duke Blue Devils are 20-3 and in their last 23 games against non-ACC opponents. Two of those losses came to this uh, very same Northwestern Wildcat team. They got blitzed last year. Listen, I look at the quarterback situation, and I'm never a massive fan when when the coach decides to rotate quarterbacks, but they sort of have Thorson on a pitch count. Hopefully, Thorson can stay out there a little bit longer, but I don't have a problem uh, with Green. Uh, You know, Green was 7 for 11, 63 yards against Purdue, and what stood out to me, guys, was how well Northwestern's defense played against Purdue. They created turnovers. They they they've great on third downs. They kept on getting Purdue and a pretty good Purdue offense off the field. Revenge factor. And listen, a year before they lost last year, but a year before they beat them. Uh, it was twenty four thirteen. And a year before that, they also beat them uh, in Durham uh, as well. 
all around, I think Fitzgerald's one of the most underrated coaches in all of college football. I think Northwestern's one of the most underrated programs, and especially for betters, because they, they don't have anyone to draft in the NFL ever, so nobody ever really talks about them. I like Northwestern a lot here, guys. I think Northwestern wins. I don't think, like like Rich said, I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that, but give me a, a seven-point Northwestern win. They don't need to win by seven. They just need to take them on the money line. I'd rather lay the 35 cents than two points. That's something, guys. I just quickly, I'll tell you guys. If you see a point spread is minus one and a, it's one and a half, or if it's two even, two and a half, don't be that guy and go, I can't believe they won by one. If just lay the money line, lay the 30 cents as opposed to laying a point and a half or so. So I look at a game like this, I'd rather lay the money line with Northwestern, but I think uh, I think it's uh, revenge and Northwestern gets it done. Yeah, well, I'll say this about Northwestern. I think they could be a, a possible contender in, in their division challenging Iowa and Wisconsin, and it does come down to the front seven. Last year, they won eight straight games. They held opposing offenses to 108 rushing yards per game. Early part of the year when they did lose to Duke, that offensive line was weak, incohesive. They struggled. They struggled against Penn State. They struggled against Wisconsin. From that point on, though, they had they gelled as a unit and they were able to run the football and shut down the run. I like the way this unit played, especially on the road against a wide open Purdue offense. Later in that ball game, they were pushing back Purdue's offensive line and wearing them down at the point of attack. And that's what I look at in this matchup with Duke, Rich. Yeah, it's a it's a pivotal game for their 2018 season. Not obviously right. Big Ten race because this is an ACC opponent. I, I like a couple of things. Totally agree. Pat Fitzgerald, one of the most underrated, one of the top coaches in the country. At some point, at some point, he might pull a Chris Peterson, leave his comfort zone, and go to a, a, a program that could actually win a national championship, which won't happen at Northwestern. Love the pitch count metaphor. That's really what it comes down to for Northwestern, as well as Green played. It's going to come down to Clayton Thorson's knee. I mean, will he be 100% at any point this season? Will they have to kind of dial him back? He's an NFL quarterback. Scouts were looking at him, but right now he's not 100%. That's going to be the key for Northwestern yeah, long-term. We have two 12 o'clock games that we're going to try and sneak in. Houston and Arizona. We can that's sneak a, them in. That's, a, that, in. that's an intriguing battle. Early, that's an early one, noon. It's yeah, kind of, it, yeah, like you said, sneaking in. snuck up on us this game, too. It, and I it tell did. You, the line movement, it's all the way down to three right now, right. which kind of surprises me. What did Arizona do last week? To, to, oh. to tell us, so this is the overreaction, it's underreaction. Major, it, but it's a major Depend. Applewhite. Let's be honest. Since Major Applewhite took over Houston, guys, he has not stepped up in He's a big been game. Terrible. He has not stepped up. This is a this right, is Has a Kevin Sublin? Has Tate? No. Who's but, a better football but, player right now? With all the hype I about the Tate, be- Oliver or Tate? Not the, even close. The better, yes. the better, the better head coach, though, in my opinion, is Kevin Sumlin. Also, I mean, also, both, I would agree. I, I mean, totally agree. So you're talking about a guy, what, an what, Kevin Sumlin, when, when much when, better when, than Major Applewhite. Without Johnny Manziel, what has he ever done? But but the point is, I think when you look at this coaching matchup, Major Applewhite. He was, he was an offensive coordinator and hasn't coached that. He hasn't had his teams ready. They got blown out by San Diego State in the Las Vegas Bowl. He understood that. He had Greg Ward in that matchup. They couldn't put up more than 10 points in that ball game. You look at last year, they struggled against teams within their conference. 7-5, and five, didn't win the bowl game. Uh, they struggled against Rice last week yes. on the road. Yep. That, that's with Ed Oliver. Yeah, you're, you're okay. that is all that, I can't disagree with anything right. you just did. Those are all facts. Right. They're playing a team that just lost on their home field to BYU. 
Yeah, but BYU, and we're manhandled. Let's keep did in you mind watch it. Khalil? Did, did you see him in the pocket? Did you see his inaccuracy? The, the reason but, why Arizona is getting respect right now is I think people expect Kevin Sumlin to turn loose Khalil Tate. I, I think that's what it comes down to. He ran the ball eight times last week, which was inexcusable. The only Khalil, thing that Kevin Sumlin's got cut loose was himself from from Texas A and M. You'll Kevin see Kevin Sumlin climbed the, the coaching ladder because of Johnny Manziel. You and will Johnny see Manziel shades, gone, and then they keep suddenly he's not a genius. No, I, I I'm not saying he's elite, but in terms of being able to handle the responsibilities of a head coach, I don't think Major Applewhite stepped up. I think he's regressed. And, and you could say Kevin Sumlin has flatlined for the most part, 8-4, and 8-5, and 8-4, 8-5. But in a big spot with a must-win game, I don't trust I a, I don't trust a flaky but, but Pac-12 like team Houston going here. to I Texas. Guess, I mean, again, I, I'm just going off of coaches. I like Houston here because of a, it's a must-win game for the Cougars. They don't win this ball game. You're going to hear Major Applewhite possibly being ousted there because, I mean, Tom Herman built that program up. They were conference champions. They got the bowl win over Florida State, 13-1 and overall. Since that point, they've regressed severely. He would, be, he would be the first Houston coach, Joe, in a decade that hasn't used that program as a launching pad exactly. to the Power Five. Exactly. And I, I think that's where Major Applewhite is headed. I like Arizona in the game because I think we'll see shades – of Khalil Tate 2017. Kevin Sumlin has no choice. He's going to have to turn him loose. And it's not going to be easy. I mean, BYU absolutely out-physicaled Arizona at the line of scrimmage. And that could happen again this week with Ed Oliver, not just Ed Oliver, but TCU transfer the defensive end. Isaiah Chambers played very well last week against Rice, too. So I like Arizona. Not not one of my best well, bets. Kevin, my- Kevin Sumlin, all right, I'm just looking at his record. He hasn't won double-digit games in six years. So okay. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I'm saying – Eight and five, eight and five, eight and five, seven and five. Right. That was in the SEC West, though. I mean, let's give, let's cut him a little bit of slack. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this about the about the game from a matchup perspective. I think if you're Houston, you want to attack Arizona's defense vertically. They allowed 286 passing yards per game last year, and when you look at King last week, he completed 70 percent of his passes. That's the matchup. Why I like Houston. That being said about BYU, I'll just keep in mind. Keep in mind, BYU's players are two and three years older because they go on missionary, you know, missions and, and missionaries for there. They're 26, 27 years old, though, Gabe. I know Man- Mangum's actually older than like half the starting quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. So I mean, just I like from BYU tonight again, line. actually against Cal. Well, that's an intriguing ball game. We'll get into that, but I mean, I think that's when you look at Arizona as a whole. You look at Khalil Tate. They're going to have to if they get into a shootout with Houston. If Houston jumps up early with their speed on the offense. Khalil Tate's going to have to pass from behind, and that's the one thing but when you look at that BYU exactly. ball game. That was the thing last week that BYU did a great job of. They took away the edges, and they forced Tate to stay in the pocket and throw the football. But they also had a different, disciplined, experienced defense with older kids, and that's where if you're at all. But come on, Joe. Defense, Houston have a hell of a lot more talent on I'm the field you. than the BYU Cougars no, do. I'm with you. That's Maturity close. That's close. I understand your point. I get that's I'm one of the reasons you. why I like, I like betting here. on BYU basketball like and football. I like Houston. I'm not. This isn't one of my best picks here for the day. But at 12 o'clock, I think the speed of Houston plus the pressure on this team to step up. Just five you minutes ripping a coach. No, but but it's the truth though. I mean, Rich. I mean, Major Applewhite. I think he's going to be. If horrible. he loses this game, yeah, he's been be horrible. Be Applewhite's been horrible. He'll be on the outside looking in. One more Nevada. 
and, and Vanderbilt. It's a very intriguing game. Vandy is about eight and a half to nine point favorites over the Wolfpack in this matchup. This is a sneaky team in, in the Commodores. They dominated Middle Tennessee State last week. Kyle Shermer has some offensive weapons. They had a blasting game at the running back position. I like the speed and the physicality of Vanderbilt here. Not sold on Nevada overall, yeah. Ganji, at the quarterback position. I think I think Vanderbilt wins 14 or That's more. That's one of my tonight. best bets in 12 o'clock. I'd like your take on it as well, Gabe. But I was very impressed. It flew under the radar. A lot more bigger games. But Middle Tennessee is a pretty good football team. they got a veteran quarterback in Brent Stock still. They have some talented players on defense like Darius Harris, and they absolutely blew the doors off the Blue Raiders. 35-7, to Shermer played well, Kalijah Lipscomb outside, I think will have success against a very bad Nevada defense. Nevada playing at noon, that for them is what, 10 a.m., I think, for, for the Nevada yeah. players? So I think this line is too low. It's one of my best bets of the day and one of my best bets, one of my two best bets for the 12 o'clock games. Gabe, where is I that watched, uh, I watched Van- that Vanderbilt game at uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands uh, last week, and they were very impressive. Nevada, you know, since the Kaepernick days, um, you know, so it, it, Nevada sort of built the program up, and then they had Cody Farharja, who's now in the Canadian Football League. Since then, there was a real drop. Let's be real. Polian wasn't the best coach there, and the recruiting really took a dive. I like what I've seen from Nevada. I think Nevada's going to be a competitive football team uh, this year moving forward, and specifically in the years uh, moving forward. But to me, this is just, it's an undersized, speed-based Mountain West team against a an SEC team. And to me, the, the, the size, the strength, the beef. Remember the old Wendy's, where's the beef? You know, where's the beef? Nevada doesn't have the beef. Nevada is sizzle. I think that the, the, in the trenches, Vandy it's are just a bad matchup for that out. Nevada defense. I, in I a similar agree. fashion I, to the war, Middle Tennessee State and, uh, last, yeah. uh, last and week. And Vanderbilt's a team, uh, if they have any shot of going bowling before they go into SEC play, they need to win this ballgame. I mean, so that's the matchup, too. There is incentive yeah. to start fast and dominate in this ballgame. So that's why, and, and let's let's face it, Mason is on the hot seat as well. I mean, hasn't stepped up after taking over for James Franklin. Great point by Rich. Plus, it's a long travel trip. It's it's a long travel. You get the early start, like 9 o'clock on or the central time. So it's a two-hour two hour time difference, as you stated. Uh, a tough spot for Nevada here. Yeah, Nevada did step up two years ago against Purdue. They played very well, lost that ball game by, I think, 10, and a, 10 points. They they were getting 10.5 in that matchup. So keep two an more, eye out for two that. Two more 12 o'clock best bets. Uh, Gabe has Northwestern at 12 o'clock. Right. I have Eastern Michigan as one of my best bets of They're the day. That's 12 Purdue. o'clock. That's Purdue. They're getting 17 points. I've been impressed by what Chris Creighton has been able to do. They have the transfer quarterback, Tyler Weigers, from Iowa. A great bookend, yes. which a lot of folks don't know about, in Jeremiah Harris and Max Crosby. So getting 17 points, watch Eastern Michigan. It's one of my best bets of the day for, for the 12 o'clock. Yeah, I would, le- I would lean to Purdue. I don't have a feel on that ball game, but I'll say this, taking over for Brogan Roback, uh, there was a, a need at the quarterback position, and Weger, uh ste- stepped up. So I far, mean, so good. Yeah, yeah, so far, so good. They have a high-octane offense. They can keep up with teams. The, the matchup is Ken Brom challenge that defense. And, and I and, think Purdue will look a little bit beyond the MAC team. Obviously, it was, yeah. it was last Thursday night, but they had a tough loss against North Northwestern, yeah. so I, I think this is a good spot for EMU. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the daily picks for college fantasy on DraftKings. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Morenci live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34.